This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by Darcy Shapiro, who is the Chief Operating Officer for the Americas at CoverGenius. And CoverGenius are a global insurtech business. And Darcy joins me from San Francisco today. Darcy, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. Darcy, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Been looking forward to, to speaking with you and learning more about the work you're doing there at CoverGenius. Before we start with that, though, would you mind giving our listeners a little bit of a feel for your background in your career development and what led to you joining CoverGenius? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started my career off, actually, um, I was trained as a lawyer. I worked in private practice for a law firm doing some insurance defense and coverage work. Decided that uh, working in private practice in a law firm was not for me. And I pivoted and, and actually moved in-house to AIG and was working as claims counsel at AIG for several years. Okay. Again, you know, primarily what you're doing in that role is analyzing coverage um, in the policies. So I am a bit of a policy wonk. I really love coverage and really love like analyzing wordings about, you know, essentially how little tweaks to wordings can, you know, open or restrict coverage. So that's um, sort of my my historical background. And, and it also, you know, kind of gave me the basis for thinking about how to innovate products, um, coverages to um, address issues. You know, when you're working on the claim side of the aisle, you're seeing actually what's happening out in the field. Like what are, what are the claims being made on the products that you're, you're selling? So I did that for many years. I worked, um, I've worked at three major insurers in the U.S. Um, I moved over to Liberty, uh, a subsidiary of Liberty Mutual. Um, and then I finished up my sort of traditional insurance career working at the Hartford, which is a large American insurance company, one of the oldest here. Um, and I actually was working in product development and portfolio management there. Most of my um, insurance career has been spent in specialty lines. So cyber, I, I was actually working on the first admitted cyber product that the Hartford put out to market, and then um, technology E&O, media and miscellaneous professional liability is really my, was sort of my wheelhouse before joining Cover Genius in 2018. And I was the first, I like to say the first American hire as technically, um, you know, the second employee over in the States. I think it says kind of volumes about our company that one of the first hires that they had in this part of the world was an insurance expert. Um, you know, so it's pretty crucial to us. We are a technology company first and foremost. We're trying to improve the interaction with uh, insurance, the experience that people have with insurance, um, embedding insurance into other digital, you know, brands and and um, ecosystems. But 
there is, you know, definitely a focus on having the right sort of SMEs in place that can can really help guide um, our company towards creating the relevant and right products through use of technology, uh, you know, for our customers or end customers. Darcy, I think it's really interesting your background there, starting off in law. We've certainly had quite a few guests in the insurance coffee house over the years who started out in private practice and and made that transition and have never looked back, which I think's brilliant. And I think yeah, it's a lot of us recovering attorneys out there. That's it. That's right. So you've made sort of two sort of big major decisions really there. First of all, to move from law into the more into the insurance side and then leaving sort of the traditional insurance carriers and joining an insure tech. If we could talk about that second transition for you, how, how did that opportunity come about? And what were some of the things you were sort of weighing up when, when making that decision? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I just mentioned, I had been working at the Hartford on creating this product, um, an admitted product, cyber insurance policy. And we actually, you know, had used sort of a decade of experience working in the cyber field, getting a little more comfortable around data collection. Cyber is a brand new field, um, you know, relatively speaking in the insurance world compared to, you know, the hundreds of years of data that insurers have on other stuff. So cyber's been something that, well, the Hartford in particular was kind of tiptoeing their way into writing a cyber policy, where the fact of the matter is, you know, we kind of sold them on the idea that if you're not explicitly writing coverage for cyber, you're implicitly writing it in pretty much all of your policies that exist. So kind of, you know, this we had this creation of this great product and then this conundrum, which was how do we get this in the hands of customers? How do we like get customers to understand that this product is relevant to them, that, you know, can provide them the protection that they need? Distribution. I mean, distribution was really like the biggest challenge that we had. And, you know, we had mandates to grow the book. Um, so when I, you know, first started talking to the guys from Cover Genius, where, you know, we are the insure tech for embedded insurance, this is a whole new way. I mean, it sort of blew my mind, honestly. How do we get customers? How do we attract customers? We offer relevant products in the areas where they're already like living their lives or doing things. Cyber is a pretty relevant kind of example of this, because if you think about all of these businesses that are operating online, they're so vulnerable these days to, you know, hackers, cyber attacks, ransomware, et cetera. They're all doing business now in the cloud. And so what if we, you know, as an example, we're offering up cyber coverage to them to encourage good cyber hygiene, you know, through these mechanisms where they're already conducting their business through their cloud providers or their network hosts through, you know, security um, apparatus um, that are already protecting, you know, the data that they're warehousing in their systems. They're, that's just one example, but it sort of like blew my mind when I thought about like, oh, wait, this is how you attract customers. This is this is really like a new way. And, and actually, from an insurance standpoint, it allows us to, you know, make sure that we're not like getting basically the worst risk out there. These are businesses that are just operating. And so, you know, the I the last point I'd make that was so interesting to me about this was through this integration with these sort of distribution partners, it's a pipeline of access to data that insurers never get. They only dream about getting this data. We're so reliant at, you know, the old insurance companies on paper applications and forms that, you know, that also is one of those hurdles to actually making the sale. If you make it hard for people, you know, they, they have to fill out a hundred question mm. 
application about their cybersecurity systems, most small businesses don't know the answers to this. Most of them are relying on the providers that they're, they're cloud providers, et cetera, for, you know, basically to ensure that their businesses are protected through this, these mechanisms. So by, you know, integrating into, and this is just one example, um, you know, in the cyber field, but by integrating into these systems, you know, we're able to get more accurate data, um, to evaluate risk and underwrite the risk than a paper application any day, which leads to better pricing, better products, better outcomes for the customer. And so like, you know, from, from the, for me, when I first came, the, the initial sort of attraction to it was distribution, distribution. I want to make sales because I had to grow a book, but sort of the deeper I dove into the business, the more I realized the benefits that just are across the board for everyone involved, for the distribution partners who now can offer relevant protection products for their customers that can, you know, potentially even transfer risk to their customers or the cost of risk to their customers, for the um, insurance companies that are providing capacity for these products that are getting good risk on their books and, and selling policies. And, you know, for the customer, at the end of the day, this is about the customer getting a product that's there to protect them. So, Fantastic. yeah, it was, Thank just, you, it was like, was really exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can really hear the passion that you, that you speak about it. And now I'm certainly I'm certainly sold on the idea. So the embedded nature of the distribution and also the data, which which allows for more profitable, more accurate underwriting, and also I suppose savings as well to the policyholders. Thank you for that, Darcy. I know uh, I know you're normally based in New York, but you're in San Francisco today. But as we are in the insurance coffee house, what's your what's your normal go to coffee choice in the morning? So I am uh, my friends like to make fun of me that I have a weakness for six dollar coffees. So <laughs> um, my my go to coffee choice is an almond milk cappuccino. You know, I, I'm just drinking regular old filter coffee right now because I'm on the road and <laughs> just grabbed coffee from the nearest. But I do, I, by the way, I do love a good American filter coffee that I can reheat in the microwave 10 yeah. times over the course of a morning. So nice, nice. So you do like a, an, a a nice coffee in the morning, but just grabbing what you can get there at the moment. Any um, coffee will do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks, Darcy. Darcy, we, we, we touched on it slightly already, but could you give us a bit of a snapshot of the business of Cover Genius, maybe where the business is at the moment, what markets you operate in? Yeah, really where the business is now at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I said, I started in 2018. We were expanding our business to, we'd actually been, we've been in business for many years. Um, I, I, we started in 2015. Um, my founders, um, Chris and Gus, had started an online travel agency, and they actually were looking for insurance products to offer up to their customers, their traveler customers, in conjunction with their core product set. Um, and their customers were coming from all around the world, obviously, because they're they're operating online. Um, they quickly ran into this issue where they realized that there wasn't one insurance policy that could service customers coming from all these different markets around the world. And it was becoming, you know, more of a hassle and a, a job actually sourcing insurance products than it was their core business. And they kind of had this light bulb moment of if we're running into this issue, there's got to be, you know, hundreds of companies out there that operate globally that are also that could benefit from selling protection products alongside their core business set or their core product set um, that are also running into this problem. So on on that the back of that thesis, Cover Genius was born. And they basically spent, you know, the first two years running around the world getting um, 
compliant operations, partnerships, and products in place in all these different markets around the world. The the real um, genesis of the business was on through a subsidiary of Booking Holdings. It's actually, it might have been Priceline at the time, a, a travel brand that um, obviously again operates globally. So the the need to get to match their global footprint was pretty um, imperative. And you know, within two years, they were profit positive, which is just incredible for um, you know a, any sort of startup, but um, particularly in the insure tech space where. You know, a lot have are still struggling to make money many, many years into into their journeys. So that there was a reinvestment um, back into the technology at that time. Um, that's when we really um, started focusing on creating X Cover, which is our our core technology product today. It's a full stack insurance solution, and the reason why we pivoted it pivoted is not the right word, but expanded the technology for X Cover is that it's core feature or key feature is that it's product agnostic. It's highly, highly configurable. So um, it can handle any product in any country around the world, any insurance or warranty product in any country around the world. You know, sort of the idea behind this was that we could be the central integration point for a business to be able to offer, you know, any types of insurance product in any of the markets that they're doing business. And then sort of on the back end, you know, in my operational role, my remit is sort of making sure that in each of these regions where we're offering products, that we've got the necessary licensing and um, you know corporate setup, and that the products are compliant, such that you know we're we're operating in a completely compliant manner and making because obviously insurance is a highly regulated business. Um, that we're you know making sure that these products and that our entities are fully capable of providing these solutions. So it's really like a marriage of technology, you know, product insurance, product innovation, and, um, and like the, the boring stuff, which is really like what falls within my purview, which is, you know, all of the legal and compliance aspects of things to, to be, be able to deliver these products through a single integration point. Um, right. that's like super key for us. Yeah. Thank you, Darcy. If we can just expand a little bit more then on the products that you offer, what are some of those core products that you have and have they been developed over the years? Yeah, yeah, sure. So again, so on the back of this thesis in travel, um, you know, we've we've obviously travel is really mature in the digital distribution space. Travel insurance, um, we do have quite you know a large portion of business that is within the travel space. Yeah. Um, but again, this thesis that we had for the company was that you actually could work across business verticals. And offer products that are relevant and convenient to the customer in when they're in this sort of transactional experience, whether it's a shopping cart or if it's a business services that they're utilizing online. So, you know, we've got partnership again across the travel field with, you know, airlines like Ryanair, um, Iceland Air, and then and and a number of different online travel aggregators, including booking.com and um, eTraveli. Then we also work in the logistics space. So we offer up, you know, different sorts of um, shipping and parcel coverages to, through uh, many of these aggregators, including ShipStation and ShipRush. We work um, in business services on some small commercial products as well. Um, our sort of cornerstone partnership in that regard is through Intuit. QuickBooks, which is obviously a large um, yeah. um, and uh, brand here in the states, um, and works. We're actively working on expanding that now. We work in the property sector, and I'm just trying to give you a taste of like how diverse the portfolio, the product portfolio set is, so that you can understand what the, like really the opportunities are limitless for us and how we can do this. 
Um, but we do um, offer up renters and we're working on pet right now. Um, and that is through the property segment space. We have a partnership, live partnership with another insure tech actually, which was really exciting called Rhino, which offers security deposit um, bonds. And so we're kind of partnering to offer more, you know, widen their breadth of insurance coverages that they can offer to their lessees as they move in um, with their property managers. And, oh gosh, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. We're working on a cyber product right now with several different um, embedded uh, and a security um, security company and a cloud provider, um, which I can't really speak about right yet because it's not been made public. Um, and then we have a number of retail partners, which is super exciting. We also do warranties in the States, which is insurance and other markets. And we work with eBay, Wayfair, and Amazon, which is obviously the, the big daddy of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, you know, we're really proud of the partners that we've, we've brought into the journey with us. Um, you know, I'm fond of saying that we're stewards of our distribution partners' brands mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when you're embedding in their environment, you know, yes, we are the insurance intermediary that's selling the product, but we have to be really precious. These, these customers are these digital brands, you know, they're their they're most precious asset. And, you know, at the same time, you know, we're stewards of our insurance partners' balance sheets because they're providing capacity. So we have a huge responsibility sitting in the middle of this partnership and embedding this these um, different mm-hmm. products. Um, and I think just the roster of partners that we're working with today just demonstrate how well we've been doing our jobs, basically. Yeah, the brand names there certainly reflect that. In terms of those different stakeholders that you work with, what are the solutions? What what are the benefits that you provide to them? So whether it's the end policy holder, your distribution partner, or the or the carriers that you work with, what are some of the main benefits for them? Yeah. So I mean, I think the end customer, obviously it's very much depends on what the insurance or warranty product is that's being offering offered. Mm-hmm. We try to really, you know, create simple to use policy wordings um, so that the customers understand what they're purchasing and the coverages that they're getting when they do that. I think that's super crucial, particularly in a field where, you know, I always ask, like, even my friends in the insurance industry, have you ever read your auto policy and which is mandatory? And no one has because nobody knows what it says. Um, So that's like easy to interact with, easy to use kind of digital experience with understanding the coverages is crucial for our, our customers. And then the second touch point that you have with the customer is at claims time. And so we actually do claims administration through our technology as well. Um, we can automate a lot of it. We have live adjusters um, to sort of, um, you know, work on the more complicated claims that that require sort of, uh, you know, not not as light of a touch. And, um, you know, our, our um, core mission is to basically try to make people whole as quickly as possible and make, make that user interface as easy as possible. So we also issue, um, you know, instant payments in digital wallets, um, you know, again, depending on the product set. So that's sort of the customer side of things. Yeah. For our distribution partners, we really want to understand what their goals are when, they're, when we're talking to them about, you know, or where we can benefit them the most. Mm-hmm. When we talk about, you know, offering up these products through this embedded kind of mechanism, and we find that there's usually a couple different reasons that they would be interested in this. You know, one would be um, that they it will, you know, they want an additional revenue stream, and so you know that's that's great for them. Um, two would be um, that it helps them actually convert more sales of their core product set. So, like, if we can help you enable your own business by offering these products. You, 
if a customer is more likely to buy the trip to Norway, if they're being offered the, the opportunity to cancel, then like that makes sense. Um, you know, third would be as sort of a, a differentiator, like, you know, we're offering, we, uh, the distribution um, partner is offering sort of benefits and services and products that maybe their competitors aren't offering. So that's another one. And, you know, another one of these that I've been running into more recently is around this risk transfer, um, this notion of risk transfer, where, you know, a distribution partner may have, you know, risk on their books, let's say that they're paying, you know, a lot in corporate insurance for. And if they can offer a product through to their customers, helps diversify the risk across, you know, different capacity providers and brings down costs of their own risk while also providing really good, you know, relevant products to their customers. So it's it's almost, sorry, just to jump in there. So it's almost going from a business expense in terms of their insurance to, to an income revenue generating stream for them. That's exactly right. So that's I'm finding that more and more that that's mm. of interest to them as well. Yeah. And there are a number of other different reasons, but th- there's a reason why you see like there's so many, a lot are like, look at Tesla as an example, creating their insurance for, they want to create, you know, a fully, a full solution for their customers for their, um, that are purchasing their Teslas that keeps them within that brand experience, even when it comes to something as icky as insurance. So there's that as well. There's that notion of just like, we can do it better. Mm. Um, And then on the capacity provider side, that's kind of what I was mentioning before. It's just, it's better underwriting. It's lower costs, you know, through an automated claims, um, our automated claims technology, we're keeping costs way down for them. It's um, diversifying their risk portfolio by, you know, not direct consumer is notorious for the bad risk coming and seeking you out where the embedded model, it really diversifies that risk portfolio's performance tends to be better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can tweak in real time too, depending on what market we're in. Um, You know, we're fond of telling this story about in Europe where we saw like a portion of the book in real time was starting to suffer. And in normal insurance terms, you know, it would be three months until someone realized that. And then they'd just shut off all sales in that sector. For us, we are able to tweak the pricing in real time so that the book was stable. And it ne- you know, we didn't have to turn off sales to our, dist- to our distribution partners, customers, and nobody knew the difference. You know? um, so that sort of stuff is just invaluable. Um, we really think we're providing value across the entire chain. It sounds it sounds fantastic. In terms of that data sharing, clearly you get a lot more data on the customers, which helps with the underwriting process. Are you also able to access some of the partners, other customers who, who may not be policyholders of yours, but can give you some further market intelligence, which helps with that underwriting, or is it just purely the, the customer? So, so I want to be careful around data and data sharing. I mean, obviously, this is a like a very robust area of our you know contracting, and we make sure that we're in compliance with all local data regulation. But yes, I mean the the short answer is we do use do not do use anonymized data from our partners to sort of because look at the end of the day, it doesn't benefit our partners to not be offering products that are relevant for their demo, their customer demographic. Yeah, so we want and and even further, we can like customize those policies for individual customers. So it's really something that like data is, you know, liquid gold, as they say. It really is something that we're utilizing not to, you know, we're not trying to pop up ads while you're looking at your Instagram feed to buy insurance. We just want to make sure that 
we're creating products that are relevant for you that are providing the protection that you need at the right. Um, So yes, we do use data in that way. Yeah, awesome. In terms of the insurance market as a whole, I'd love to get your thoughts. So, you know, you've had a career working for traditional insurance companies. Now you're clearly working right at the edge of uh, the cutting edge of technology there. How do you see the insurance market changing and evolving over the next five years? Do you see more more and more moving to this embedded technology? Who do you think is going to be successful? What type of businesses do you think could be successful in this time? Yeah, so I, I think this is a good question and one that we debate a lot. And yeah, I, I think we're moving in this direction over the next five years, whether we're there exactly in five years or it's 10 years. Um, I do think embedded is the future. Yeah. Um, I think customers are coming to not just expect, but demand that their product, that when they purchase a product or they interact with a brand online, that the protection is sort of a given. They don't want to, like, uh, you know, I think about, when there are certain brands that people love, as an example, Tesla is a good example. Peloton is a good example. They have, you know, really rabid fan bases and they're based on sort of could be monthly payments, you know, so it it sort of makes sense to put these sort of like when I purchase my Peloton bike, as an example, if it breaks six months into it, I'm going to expect from Peloton that it's going to be covered somehow. So I think that that is the shift towards embedding, like however that works with the regulations, whether it's, you know, people are purchasing insurance through that journey, whether it's on a subscription model, it will be part of that purchasing process for these things that people are doing online and love doing. You know, I think a good analogy is the music industry. Um, You know, I don't, I'm old enough that I had a really healthy CD collection that I, you know, traveled around Europe with a disc man and book of CDs, which yeah. is like completely, and I was like, I love my CDs. I, will, I don't care about these MP3s. I will never give up my albums. And now I'm like a rabid Spotify user, right? Yeah. So, and I don't, and there's nary a CD to be seen in my home. Um, and, and so this, I think is the point though, is that we'll move sort of towards that embedded mm-hmm. and subscription mm-hmm. type models around protection. Because it's not something that people are, you know, it should be kind of simmering in the background. Insurance is mm. not something that people should be interacting with every day. It shouldn't be something that people are thinking about every day. It should just be that you have peace of mind that if something happens, something goes wrong, you know where to go to make mm. a claim on mm. that and you're mm. going to be made whole quickly. And so that's where I see it moving. I think my company has been at the forefront of this, which is super mm. exciting. Um, I think you see other companies that are that are now catching on and understanding that like, this is pretty, you know, pretty relevant. You know, when, when Elon Musk does something, people stand up and take notice. So I I think you can just expect to see more and more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I just think that whole mindset towards buying insurance is going to shift certainly for, certainly for our generation and for the generations to come, they're going to expect that one click option and either have it either included within that subscription or very easy to purchase alongside rather than scrambling to get other policies in place. So you know, fantastic. Thank you for that, Darcy. Brings us nicely on to the espresso round now where the okay. the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So so you're famous for your your six dollar coffees. Are you ready yeah. for the espresso round now? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I've got my coffee, my my cheese filter coffee here ready to go great stuff great stuff the espresso round darcy what percentage of the employees at cover genius are from an insurance background like you compared to a a non-insurance background 
Ooh, percentage-wise, I would have to do a little calculation. I'm going to guess probably around, primarily, we're, we're mostly engineers and it's technology is obviously the hugest sector of our workforce, but I would say at least 15% to 20% of the yeah. workforce are insurance, at least insurance um, background or insurance adjacent. Um, and what are some of the areas in the business where that insurance background can provide the most amount of value to you as a as a company? Yeah, so we have a really great team of product managers. They're in they're insurance industry experts that are coming from particular product lines that you know understand how to build a product and also understand how to monitor a portfolio for performance. So that is super crucial for us. We we love our product managers. They play a really crucial role for us in making sure our products are delivered timely to specification and in compliance with local regulation and that the books are profitable. We also have a a fairly robust compliance team, as you can imagine. And finally, we also have some insurance partnerships folks. And those are the people that are like out there, you know, sort of more of like broking type background that really understand how to, you know, forge partnerships with different insurers. We have a panel of insurers that we work with in different product lines. And it really, um, we have to, you know, we offer like sort of exclusive access to a distribution channel for one product and one insurer. So we need to make sure that it's the right insurance partner when we're approaching each. And and by the way, that's, you know, something that we evaluate depending on the distribution partner and their demographics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But so it's really crucial to us that we're always sort of, you know, working on our insurance partnerships on that side of the aisle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say are the personalities that best suit working for a fast paced business like yours? Yeah. So this is a great question. It's the one that I get asked the most when we're interviewing insurance people. And the one thing I would just say is a growth mindset. Mm. Like I get it. You've been in the insurance industry a long time and you know how insurance works, et cetera, et cetera. And you need to know those (laughs) things, but you need to also understand that we're trying to turn the industry on its head and we're doing Mm. things differently here. And um, so it's those people that, you know, have that sort of growth mindset that tend to do the best here. And I'd also say, like, there's no, there's no, um, like, hierarchy um, in terms of like, everybody here is rolling up their sleeves and getting down to business, working their, their butts off um, to, to make it happen. So there's no egos um, and, and hierarchy, like there is sort of in the traditional Mm -hmm. insurance role. And I'd also just finally say that people are not siloed here. So, you know, I sort of my career, as I said, working in specialty, and I would have to like make major career shifts to like move through the disciplines. And every day at Cover Genius looks different. So if that excites you, then it's the right place. Um, If you're someone who wants to punch in at nine, and, you know, do your little checklist of things in your, your little corner of the world, this is not the place for you. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's all about bringing that experience that you've got and you built up in the insurance market, whether that's broker or carrier, but then growing with the firm, growing with the company and yeah, expanding your own horizons as well as obviously from a business perspective as well. So yeah, what what are the opportunities that you can provide there to high performing talent? If someone was to make that transition like you've done from an insurance carrier to your business, what do you say is the, the real opportunity for them? I mean, so with a company like ours, it's really the job is yours to make what you want it to be. As an example, you know, I got hired into a director of insurance role and I moved up to become the head of insurance for our entire region. And and then I transitioned over to um, chief operating officer. So there was definitely like a lot of opportunity for me because I seized a lot of things, but like I got involved in everything. I wanted to be involved in entity creation. 
and, you know, all like these sort of things that wouldn't necessarily have been within the wheelhouse of just like managing a product. The opportunity is there for people who, who want to take it. There's even, I think like as we mature as a company, there's going to be so many, there are, I should say, so many more opportunities to grow within the business this way. Um, you know, right now, as I said, we're sort of hiring up at the product manager level, but then there's the, you know, I, let me give you an example. We had one compliance manager who started with us, who her background was, you know, 10 years at Liberty Mutual working in auditing and compliance. And she's not what you would think of as a normal auditing and compliance person. Obviously she wanted to work at a company like ours. And, you know, after, you know, doing a fantastic job in this sector of the business, she really wanted to work in partner services. And she is now an account manager in partner services. And it's fantastic having the insurance expertise, uh, sorry, the compliance insurance expertise over on the partnership side of things, because she can answer a lot of questions and now sort of insurance is embedded in that group. Um, <laughs> but like the point being that that has just ex- opened up her career opportunity. Mm-hmm. Just ex- she was she was worried she was going to be pigeonholed as an auditor for her life. So yes. the opportunities are just, you know, innumerable yep. here. Um, in terms of what direction you want to go and how you want to grow your career and what experience you want to have. Yeah, fantastic. And I think it's just a great example as well of your of your own career there in the in the three and a half years there. The development that you had is fantastic. And I'm I'm sure that'll be very appealing to lots of people out there. Flipping things slightly, do you ever get any frustration or or is there anything that you see lacking when you are hiring from the insurance industry? So again, I think probably not as much now as two, three years ago. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe one of the frustrating things, and I realize this is ironic for me to say this as an elder millennial or whatever I am, is that, you know, not having like a roster of young people that are excited about sort of getting involved. Um, Insurance hasn't been the sexiest industry. And we really love to get more, you know, people, recent college graduates who have that sort of open-mindedness or want to come in and learn the industry from like a different viewpoint than sort of traditional. Mm. Um, we, I am seeing that more now, that shift of like, oh, wait, with a lot of the news about the lemonades and the hippos of the world, it's become a bit, a bit sexier. I don't, I don't know if you would ever describe insurance as sexy, but at least it's attracting people's attention. Like, oh, okay. that could be kind of a cool place to work when you're when they realize that they're coming to work for a company that's very customer centric and is trying to digitize mm. and it's really tech forward. Um, that's yeah. what we're doing first and foremost. Yeah. I think the development of the technology certainly helped with that, but also I think people working from home over the last 18 months, two years, you know, they've had the opportunity to be getting on with their work, but, you know, listening to podcasts or, you know, finding out what's going on in the insure tech space, you know, lots of virtual meetups and things like that. And people have had that opportunity to really sort of see what's out there without sort of disrupting too much about, you know, you know what they're doing in their own capacity in their own roles. So yeah, it, it is a really exciting time. I think there's great opportunity. I think that will filter through as well. And I hopefully see that filter through from the university graduates as well. They'll start seeing insurance or risk as a much more appealing career path and not a something that you fall into or, you know, you start to start out in engineering or law or something like that and then then make that yeah, move. Like the so, rest of us here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, to your point though, it's sort of, you know, we're a little insure tech as an industry. We're probably, you know, five years behind, 10 years behind fintech. Mm. fintech which is extremely appealing for young people we're it's no different i think that you know in, insurance just the word itself just makes people cringe but it really is it's a financial product it's a financial wellness product and you know in in the same way that fintech 
embedding, you know, uh, fintechs that were embedding their financial mm. products um, was a thing and is a thing. Um, that's the same thing for insure tech as well. Um, yeah. It's just another financial product. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, yeah, if it was called risk, risk management or risk tech, it might, might come across a little bit more appealing. Darcy, final question, the espresso round. If there are any executives or leaders from the insurance industry who are considering that move now at the moment to an insure tech, to a, to a fast-paced technology-based business, what preparation do you think they should be doing now in order to make that a, a successful switch? So um, that's a great question. So we're talking about people that are a bit more established in their careers then, presumably. Um, I think that it's just sort of getting out there and researching what the different companies are, number one. Understand what these different insurance technologies are doing that they're offering. Some of them are really innovative and some of them are not actually that innovative. And I'm not going to like point fingers or say names, but you know, like at the end of the day, some of these companies are just insurance carriers with like a cuter logo. You know, I I think so. I think really kind of doing your research and understanding what are the different value propositions that these different companies are offering. And then like taking a hard look at what your experience is and how that fits into that mold. I think like, as I said, kind of the hardest adjustment that I see, and I see this with candidates we interview too, that are sort of more senior is them coming in and thinking that, you know, just because they're experts within the industry and have been working for big carriers for, you know, decades, that there's that they have all the answers. And I think that, again, that growth mindset is so, so crucial at all stages of your career when, when you're trying to make this sort of transition. I mean, I am fond of saying that I have learned more in the past three and a half years than I did in 15 years working for traditional carriers and practicing law. I really like every day I'm learning something new and it's really exciting, like, like seeing these challenges and then trying to tackle these, these problems and and come up with different solutions for them. Um, So that, that would be my advice. Just, just keep an open mind and do your research. Yeah, awesome. And uh, I think it's great advice around the technology itself and really researching that, I think, is one thing to to look at the company and the, the branding, the marketing of the company, and but actually to really appreciate understanding technology and why it stands out and why that company is going to be more successful than some of the other opportunities out there. I think, yeah, I think, I think that's crucial. Thank you. Thank you, Darcy. We've almost reached the end of our time today. Time has flown past. Before we go, though, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about reaching out to you after the show? Yeah. Closing advice. Gosh, um, I feel like I've given so much advice already. Yeah. yeah, You know, I mean, obviously if it's, again, if it's people that are looking to work in insure tech um, that are, that are interested in this, just, you know, ask people for coffees, reach out to people, um, ask them about what they do and what their roles are within these organizations, Mm -hmm. network, network. That's, you know, it's not really advice for insure tech. It's advice just across the board. Like once you know people, you know, they, they'll want to, they'll want to help you if they can. I think it's great advice, actually. And I, and I think it's great advice for the insure tech world, because, you know, like we know, the insurance world is a small world. It's a small community of people across the world, but also, you know, insure tech's even smaller. And, um, you know, the more people that you know, the more people that you speak to and find out about the different opportunities, the more you learn and and, and the, those opportunities then come in front of you. So I, I think that's fantastic advice. Yeah. And it, I mean, like if the opportunity doesn't exist today, it may exist in a year or two from yeah. now. And so just keep those contacts, you know, fresh, not in an inauthentic way, but, you know, just network. 
And then, um, yeah, happy to have people reach out to me. I'm just Darcy at covergenius.com. D-A-R-C-Y. So, uh, <laughs> the one and only. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's <laughs> the benefit of being, having an unusual name and joining the company very early. Um, so, or very early in the States anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you. We'll be sure to put those on the show notes so people can just reach out straight to you after the show. Darcy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to have you in the Insurance Coffee House. I think we've learned an awful lot about embedded insurance and, and the work that you're doing there as well at Cover Genius. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a real pleasure to chat with you today. Great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you, Darcy. To all the insurance and insurtech leaders out there, wherever you're listening around the world today, we thank you for tuning in. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable insights and learnings from Darcy today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or would like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.